0: Hello everybody, this is Bobby Keezer, and you are listening to the Son of Man Urantia Podcast. Today's episode is a special treat, exploring the cosmic address of Jesus of the Urantia Revelation. Please everybody, excuse the academic jargon in some spots. This was originally written as a chapter for a textbook, or uh, for that audience, academics, And it reminds me of why I'd rather write for you people. Okay, here we go. Exploring the Cosmic Address of Jesus of the Urantia Revelation. Introducing a religious text requires commentary as to its cosmology, origin myth, central deity, relationship to humanity, and how its doctrines shape the worldview and practices of its individual adherents, and its groups of believers. While the Urantia book provides extensive content that is presented as objective, historic, and scientific fact, it's Part 4, The Life and Teachings of Jesus, that offer us the most insight into its subjective values, ethics, and belief structure. While much contained in the Urantia book excites the mind, it's the life of Jesus, being born the Son of Man and growing into the Son of God, that has inspired and guided many people's lives. This paper uses integral theory, in specific, the all-quadrants, all-levels, all, quadrants, all, levels, all qual model articulated by American philosopher Ken Wilber, and its research methodology, Integral Methodological Pluralism, or IMP as the framework to better understand the life of this version of Jesus of Nazareth. Cosmic Address In Integral Spirituality, Wilbur describes a cosmic address as a function of altitude plus perspective that allows any holon, defined as anything that is both whole in itself yet a part of something else, to be captured at any specific point in time from hundreds of different angles. This address is most complete when all elements of the aqua model are entered into the equation. To understand the Urantia Jesus, before and during his ministry, I start with a quadrivium approach and look at him from each of the four quadrants. Then I use examples from his life to define his relationship to the other four elements of the aqua model. Upper Left Quadrant The Upper Left Quadrant refers to the interior of the individual and relates to the person's desires or intentions. The Urantia book says Jesus was driven by the desire to do his father's business. He would often become introspective when turning his attention inward, and seemed to be drawing forth knowledge from some inner source, oftentimes looking to be in communication with celestial entities unobservable to others. His intention was to fully reveal the eternal God to humanity, and to live his life as a perfected human personality, to the satisfaction of the infinite Creator, and for the edification of a vast universe progressing toward perfection right hand quadrant Excuse me the upper right hand quadrant The upper right quadrant refers to the exterior of the individual and relates to behavior in this in his interactions with others Jesus led by example he resisted the cultural norm of forbidding actions considered evil and instead used the positive injunction to do good The Urantia book speaks of how, with perfect poise, he could at one moment enact the human role or immediately assume the personality prerogatives of the divine nature, and how he insisted on going about his father's business in the most quiet and undramatic manner, avoiding all displays of power, human or divine. Those around him knew him for never becoming discouraged, excited, vexed, or disconcerted, and he was always unselfish with others. Lower left quadrant. The lower left quadrant refers to the interior of the collective and relates to culture. Jesus's message to humanity was that the kingdom of heaven is within you, and he made it clear that this truth was founded on the dual concept of knowing God as a loving parent, and the subsequent fact of the brotherhood of humanity. He told his apostles that all people, man or woman, Pharisee or Sadducee, Jew or Gentile, rich or poor, were all part of God's family. But at this time, the Jewish community held a crystallized idea of the Messiah being a national deliverer coming to restore David's throne through the use of miracles. And neither the apostles nor the Jewish people ever fully understood his teachings that Jesus came for the entire human race. Within this cultural setting, Jesus determined he was to establish the kingdom in people's hearts by natural, ordinary, difficult, and trying methods. The same way, as later generations would have to enlarge and expand on his concepts. And in doing so, he would place his trust in God to work out the day-to-day events. Lower Right Quadrant The Lower Right Quadrant refers to the exterior of the collective and relates to the social systems framing a community. Jesus developed the ability to qualify any social institution or use of religion by what it does for the human soul and the degree to which it brings God to humanity and humanity to God. During Jesus' time on earth, the Roman rule of Palestine was causing the Jewish people great frustration, and, continue, and continual conflicts occurred between the emperor's laws and Jewish faith and customs. Jesus was adroit in helping his followers distinguish between material and spiritual realities and to honor each in its own way. Possibly the best example of him defining this line was when he was teaching in the temple and the Jewish leaders tried to discredit him by asking if it, by asking him if it was lawful for Jews to pay tribute to Caesar to which Jesus famously replied, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and render to God the things that are God's. Levels of Development Levels of development, or altitude, refer to the degree of psychological development of the person or group, and define the worldview from which they operate. Integral theory posits A possibility of 12 stages in life, ranging from the archaic or survivalist mindset through a pluralistic world centric outlook to one of a supermind, cosmocentric way of viewing the universe. The Urantia book specifically refers to Jesus transcending through this entire continuum of psychological development, saying, Jesus' life in the flesh portrays a transcendent religious growth from the early ideas of primitive awe and human reverence up through years of personal spiritual communion until he finally arrived at that advanced and exalted status of the consciousness of his oneness with God. The Urantia Jesus seems unique among spiritual leaders before or since by clearly being cosmocentric in his understanding of humanity's relationship to God. World-centricity, from a universal perspective, is just another form of ethnocentricity. Jesus referred to this often. He told the apostles, while passing over a bridge leading into Sidon, that this world is only a bridge— you may pass over it, but you should not think to build a dwelling place upon it. And when speaking to them about the mansion worlds, he taught that the advancing children of God must there grow up spiritually as children grow up physically on this world. Shortly before his final days on earth, Jesus was specific about his mission and our world being part of a larger universe family, when he told some of the apostles, And when you are through on this world, I have other and better worlds, where you shall likewise work for me. These insights were not metaphors related to deeper states of consciousness that can resemble higher levels of psychological development, but references to actual spheres of habitation, to which we progress in our journey from the material to the spiritual. Lines of Development Wilbur views lines of development as those activities we enter into that help us to answer life's most pressing questions, such as the cognitive line, which relates to What am I aware of? The moral line, that relates to What should I do? And the spiritual line, that relates to what is of ultimate concern. Wilbur has identified at least two dozen developmental lines or streams, most of which he sees progressing in a manner relatively independent from the others. Wilbur posits that mastering the highest levels of any developmental line is one of his four definitions of what it means to be spiritual. The cognitive line. The Urantia book reveals Jesus as insatiable in his urge to learn how mortals lived on earth. His knowledge of scripture seemed to be un- seemed to be unsurpassed. Throughout his school years in Nazareth, Jesus became conversant in three languages, and was considered an exceptional student. When he was eight years old, a rabbi from the Jerusalem Academy went to Nazareth to observe Jesus and requested that his parents allow him to return to Jerusalem, where he would receive the best schooling. The matter was put to the young boy, and after a period of deliberation, he told them that he had spoken with his Father who is in heaven and decided it was best to remain with his mother and father who loved him so much. This is said to be important because it allowed Jesus to secure an education that was not exclusively Jewish and provided him a more balanced idea of the relative merits of the Eastern or Babylonian and the Western or Hellenic views of Hebrew theology. By the time Jesus was ten years old, he was demonstrating integral awareness by becoming the leader of a group of boys who had come together to promote their physical, intellectual, and religious requirements for entering manhood. By the time he was 13 years old, he had graduated from the synagogue schools, at which time the chazan, or head teacher, told Jesus' father that he had learned more from Jesus' searching questions than he had been able to teach the lad. Throughout his young years, he helped his father and others in their work, and by the time he was 14 years old, he was a proficient yoke maker, knew how to work with canvas and leather, and was becoming an expert at carpentry and cabinet making. In his 27th year, Jesus went to work with a friend of his father's, Zebedee, in the town of Capernaum and whose family fished and built boats for their livelihood by the time jesus by this time jesus was considered an expert builder and master woodworker and within a year of working with zebedee he had created a safer type of boat and established improved methods of boat building in the evenings before going to the synagogue to study he held meetings with zebedee's family and employees where he taught them about humanity's relationship to God. It was here that Jesus was first called the Master. Later, while resting at the Persian city of Urmia, after returning from a couple years of travel that included time in Rome, Jesus was invited by a wealthy patron of a school dedicated to the philosophy of religions to give two dozen lectures, on the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of men. The Moral Line According to the Urantia Revelation, Jesus was not a moral reformer who spoke against delinquency, but rather a positive teacher who extorted the voluntary conformity of man's will to God's will, and who directed with few denunciations and who directed what few denunciations he did make against pride, cruelty, oppression, and hypocrisy. The morality of his teachings was based on a personal, child-parent relationship with God, in which the emphasis was on the person rather than the country or ethnicity, and where the correctness of any act directly related to the person's motive for jesus the intention in a person's heart mattered the most and this helped to break the fetters binding morality to dogmatic rules and ceremony and elevate it to the highest levels of spiritual thought and positive living jesus was absolutely committed to doing of father jesus was absolutely committed to the doing of god's will he went forth without looking back and allowed nothing to hinder him from his mission. Jesus was courageous in how he lived and taught. When cleansing the temple, he strode forth in righteous indignation at the greed, corruption, and commercialization of the worship of God. In less than five minutes and in front of thousands of people, Jesus drove all of the penned-up animals from the court, and the multitudes responded by driving out the money changers and other commercial interests before he went back to teaching. He worked to emphasize that there was no distinction between the morality of what he taught and the religion that he lived. He taught morality, not from the nature of man, but from the relation of man to God. Jesus showed his apostles how to live and admonished them to treat others as they believed he would, to not use force in resisting injustice, to love their enemies, to be good to those who hate them, to bless those who curse them, and to pray for those who use them. The Spiritual Line Early on, Jesus began to exhibit signs of a spiritual inclination. When he was six years old, after saying his prayers as he was taught, he would perturb his parents by then insisting that he have just a little talk with my Father in Heaven. When entering school at seven years old, he showed a premonition of coming events when he chose as his guiding text the words from the prophet Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the meek, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to set the spiritual prisoners free. When not quite thirteen years old, Jesus was taken to his first Passover in Jerusalem where he became shocked at the slaughter of so many helpless animals supposedly killed to gain God's favor. Described as one of his most significant days on earth, the Urantia book relates that flood tides of spiritual illumination swept through the mortal mind of Jesus and filled his human heart to overflowing with affectionate pity for the spiritually blind and morally ignorant multitudes. And, for the first time, he was visited by an angel, who told him that, The hour has come. It is time that you begin to be about your father's business. Jesus' mission was exclusively concerned with the revelation of spiritual and religious truths. While staying at an inn in Caesarea, the capital of Palestine, he taught a Mongolian merchant that the living of the heavenly life while on earth by means of daily submission to the will of the heavenly Father. And in substance and modern phraseology, he taught his followers the source of universe reality is the infinite, and that the material things of finite creation are the time-space repercussions of the eternal God. Jesus refused to allow himself to be distracted from bringing forth a new way of salvation, and he told his apostles he was only concerned with the principles of a person's inner and personal spiritual life. And when he was asked on his way to Rome why he occupied himself so continuously with visits to strangers, he replied, "...to become acquainted with one's brothers and sisters." to know their problems and to learn to love them, is the supreme experience of living. States of Consciousness States of Consciousness refer to at least five natural states that can be directly experienced. First, the gross waking state experienced in normal activity. Second, the subtle dreaming state experienced in a dream or a visualization exercise. Three, the causal formlessness state experienced in deep dreamless sleep. Four, fourth, the witnessing state that allows one to view all other states. And fifth, non-duality, which Wilbur suggests suggests is not a state. But an ever present condition. Jesus achieved permanent non dual realization in his 31st year when he went into isolation for six weeks on the slopes of Mount Hermon for the purpose of completing the work of mastering his human mind. During this period, he finished his mortal task of achieving the circles of mind understanding and personality control. In effect, this terminated the period of his mortal bestowal, the period of being known as the Son of Man, and in doing so he met God's requirement of fully experiencing life as a mortal, and his own desires to demonstrate to the cosmos the qualities of a unified personality. He was now a perfected mortal of the evolutionary worlds of time and space. Jesus spent more than five weeks of unbroken communion with the Eternal, and during this time he became both assured of who he was and his purpose on earth, and fully committed to continuing his ascendancy into his divine nature. The Urantia book clarifies that the great temptation of Jesus that occurred toward the end of this time on Mount Hermon was not about material considerations or kingdoms of this world but rather with the sovereignty of a mighty and glorious universe. Shortly thereafter, John the Baptist baptized Jesus in the Jordan River, and he assumed his divine role as the Son of God and sovereign creator of our universe. At this time, Jesus heard the final call of God to be about his Father's business, and he again went into seclusion this time for forty days, in the hills near Pella, to contemplate his coming revelation of God to humanity. As Jesus began this period, he was informed that his sovereignty was assured, and he was at liberty to terminate his bestow on earth at any time, and that his course from then on was up to him. Jesus' time wandering in the hills represented the coming together of his two minds, the human and the divine, into one. He decided that he would not use any celestial help in his mission unless that was the will of God. That he may use his powers to help others, but not himself, either for sustenance or defense. That he would not use miracles to win people over to his message. That he would proclaim and establish the kingdom of God as the prince of peace to reveal a God of love, and that in all matters he would be subject to the will of my Father. Wilbur speaks of enlightenment as being when a person is able to reside permanently at the highest state of consciousness while having transcended to the highest level of psychological development that is available to humanity at that point in time. But while many traditions have trained people to reside in the highest states of consciousness, the level of psychological development, or complexity of perspective, that one can achieve is usually limited to the highest developmental altitude that has emerged in humanity's collective consciousness. During the period of Jesus' life, the world was fully ego and ethnocentric. World centrism, much less cosmocentrism, had yet to manifest in our consciousness. But as brought forth earlier, the Jesus of the Urantia Book did not come just for the Jews or even our world, but for the benefit of an entire universe of sentient beings. He brought the essential truths for an entire age on earth, and what he said was intended for the inspiration and edification of other worlds. Literally, other planets, where finite mortals partner with the eternal spirit to form new souls in the continual expansion of deity. Types A fundamental typology is that of the two genders, male and female, and how their value spheres translate to masculine and feminine traits. While recognizing that masculine and feminine traits are evidenced across both sexes, Wilbur describes men as often exhibiting masculine traits that stress autonomy, rights, and justice, and women typically displaying feminine traits related to care, responsibility, and relationship. The Urantia book describes Jesus as having a strong and forceful personality, saying that he never apologized or asked for advice or prayers, that he was never influenced by praise or gave attention to public opinion, and that that while he was easy of approach, he always lived independent of and above all human beings." He was a man who taught that justice is precise and who manifested perfect fairness in all of his dealings. Jesus possessed the courage to counter the historic subjugation of women and among his followers, women were freed from religious discrimination because of their gender. Demonstrating this commitment to equality He is said to have emancipated women for all time by commissioning ten women to teach the gospel of the kingdom and minister to the sick, in effect showing that no more was man to look upon woman as his spiritual inferior. Unfortunately for our world, the subsequent leaders of the Christian church lacked the moral fortitude to follow Jesus' teachings in this regard, and that failure is said in the wider universe to be the great shame of the church that presumed to take his name. The Jesus of this accounting was a calm and happy laborer, one who dispensed health and scattered happiness naturally and gracefully as he journeyed through life. Jesus was said to be sagacious and tolerant while possessing patience, tenderness, meekness, Gentleness, and humility. He was a man who inspired hope and confidence in all who came under his ministry. Jesus taught his apostles to disregard themselves and take up their daily responsibilities to follow him. Because of his understanding of humanity, he was able to manifest genuine sympathy, and compassion was his very nature. This Jesus seems to have exhibited a sublime blending of both halves of humanity and demonstrated for us the life of an integrated person operating at the peak of human capacity. Injunctions for Practice The Urantia book states that when the apostles asked Jesus about the need to fear God, he told them that that injunction was no longer appropriate for humanity. He was there to offer them a higher way, the teaching to love God and learn to do God's will. Jesus taught the apostles, love is the greatest of all spirit realities, that truth is a liberating revelation, but love is the supreme relationship, and that by loving their fellows, others would know them to be his followers. Jesus brought forth a God for all people, and for all ages, that was based on the concept of deity being a loving parent and a subsequent brotherhood of humanity. This was a new revelation for earth and difficult for ego and ethnocentric minds to accept. When Jesus understood that the apostles could not grasp these teachings, he gave them the commandment to treat all people as their brothers. He later decided that even this wasn't enough, because it could be interpreted passively. And during a discussion with the apostles after the Last Supper, he gave them a new and higher commandment, Love one another, even as I have loved you. In this way, he showed that the emphasis of his religion was not about believing, but in actually doing, thus bringing forth the actual practice of brotherhood between people. Jesus discouraged the use of set and formal prayers. People were urged to avoid praying for themselves and to focus more on praying for the spiritual progress of others. They were not to pray for material things, but for the abundant gifts found in spirit, and in this way recharge the spiritual batteries of the soul. When speaking about prayer to the apostles, Jesus emphasized that no one had to earn the status of being a child of God, that it was a gift to be received as by a little child, and that by their relationship with God, and that their relationship with God was built by grace and through faith. The people were taught that it was the motive and sincerity of the prayer that was important that those who wished for mercy must show mercy, and that they shall be judged with the spirit with which they judge others. Leading by example, Jesus taught his followers to pray in secret and not allow others to know their prayers. They were to pray silently, in the spirit and in the heart, and that when prayer is sincere, it is a process of exchanging human will for the divine will, a making over of that which is into that which ought to be. When guiding Peter, he was told to let experience teach you the value of meditation and the power of intelligent reflection. The cornerstone of everything Jesus taught was based on worshiping God and being of service to humanity. The Apostles were instructed to always have respect for the personalities of their fellows. They were never to promote Jesus' teachings with force, whether physical or mental, because that of spirit can only be won over by spirit. They were taught to react positively and aggressively to every life situation, as when he told them to turn the other cheek with a positive attitude, an act that demanded initiative and necessitated vigorous, active, and courageous expression of the believer's personality. The faith community today. While the Urantia book places Jesus as the Son of God and the Creator of our universe, it is not considered a Christian theology. According to the Urantia book, the difference between it and institutionalized forms of Christianity relates to whether the emphasis is placed on the teachings of Jesus or His resurrection. Jesus offered a religion based on the personal experience of doing God's will and serving humanity, while Christianity, as founded by Paul, became a religion that glorified Jesus, made Him an object of worship, and confined itself to the community of believers in that divine person. Today's supporter of the Urantia book are independent believers. They have no churches, priests, or spiritual leaders, and they would probably resist them should they arise. Many follow Jesus' admonitions to pray silently and out of sight of others, while those who wish more fellowship often form study groups where they meet occasionally to discuss the Urantia book. The Urantia Foundation provides free access to the text of the Urantia book on their website, and they offer lessons for those wishing to begin studying the material. There are also many forums on the Internet dedicated to providing a way for readers to interact with each other. As with all faiths, the followers of the Urantia Jesus encompass all types of people of various levels of education and stages of psychological development. Conclusion The Urantia book describes Jesus as a person who transcended our highest understanding of cosmic address. He perfected himself in the human sphere, ascended to the peak of psychological development as we know it, and then transcended into levels beyond our current knowledge. Likewise, he showed a healthy translation to permanent non-dual awareness, and according to the Urantia book, continued beyond that. During his period as the son of man, he seems to have mastered many of his lines of development, and in the process blended his masculine and feminine traits into a superbly integrated persona. The injunctions he gave his followers were based on love, humility, and sincerity, and appear to be appropriate for the leading edge of humanity, often spoken of in integral circles. The Urantia book recognizes a line of truth in all ways of belief, and brings them together in a cohesive whole that is balanced between the needs of the individual, the cultural groupings we share, and the social institutions and planetary environment that frame our lives. It offers hope and requirements for world peace. While the controversy over the origin of the Urantia book is valid, and at best, it offers only a partial rendition of the truth. As a person searching for pragmatic means to effect peaceful change, I find it hard to disagree with the Urantia book's claim that, of all human knowledge, that which is of greatest value is to know the religious life of Jesus and how he lived it. In my estimation, the Urantia accounting of the life and teachings of Jesus offers Christianity the most accessible and highest order presentation of his teachings available. It has the potential to revitalize that faith and move its adherents into the world-centric perspective required for life in the 21st century. For the followers of other religious teachings, or those who claim no faith, the life and teachings of Jesus offers what is possibly the grandest story ever told of a person who lived according to his God and changed the world forever because of it. Its context complements and reinforces the greatest messages of love, compassion, and goodwill presented to humanity throughout the ages. And it offers those who choose not to believe in spirit a model for living according to our highest conception of truth, beauty, and goodness. For all who aspire to find greater meaning to life, this story provides fruit worthy of those efforts. The end. Okay, everybody. Please subscribe to Son of Man, Urantia, at robertateezer.substack.com and follow along as every week I present an abridged chapter of part four of the Urantia Revelation, The Life and Teachings of Jesus. Have a great day out there, everybody.